Well, well done for coming out. Storm Dennis didn't hinder too many people. So, I'm not going to be preaching for very long today. And the main reason is that is I haven't really got a lot to say. Um, so, a bit of insight into how I, how I prepare when I'm preaching. So, normally about two weeks out from when I'm preaching, I, I get some semblance of a passage or where God's leading me in terms of, of speaking. Uh, and then over the next week, that, I'm, that develops and prayed into, and then the final week before is, 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 is where I really sort of start to do a bit of the um, sort of heavy work of, of, of putting stuff together. I was two weeks out from today, and I had nothing, absolutely nothing. And I've been relying on that for many months of, of God imparting something in, in terms of giving me a passage. And all I had was a verse, one verse, and it, and it wasn't even... Um, a new verse, it was basically, for want of a better expression, it was an appendix of the previous preach I did, which was basically, if I had time, I would look at this verse, if I had, you know, five minutes left. That's all I had. A week out, that's all I had. A few days out, that's all that was going in my head was this particular verse, and it, and it was this. And it was following on from we looked at um, a few weeks ago, we looked at Hezekiah and her, the supernatural intervention of, of God when Hezekiah and uh, Judea were uh, battling the Assyrian Empire and, and Sennacherib. And we read in the following chapter in Kings that Hezekiah, it, it, well, actually, this is, this is the uh, account as told in Chronicles, it's a lot shorter where it says, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. He prayed to the Lord who answered him and gave him a miraculous sign. But Hezekiah's heart was proud and he did not respond to the kindness shown to him. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him on Judea and Jerusalem. It was that, and it wasn't even the whole verse. It was just those words that Hezekiah failed to respond. He did not respond to the kindness shown him. And it was just... As we were looking at this prayer week and how God has met as we've rested, as we've, as we've listened to him, as we've prayed together and individually, how God has met us, answered prayers, given words of encouragement and, and maybe words of knowledge, and, and we've seen breakthrough in certain occasions. How do we respond to that kindness shown to us? And there's some things just in this account of, of Hezekiah that I wanted to go into but really it was unpacking that that response and really for me to talk as briefly as I can as briefly as I can so then we today can respond in kind and respond uh, with thankfulness and praise but that's where it starts so today we're going to have good time to respond and share what God has been saying what God has been doing what God wants to continue to do through us and through us as a church but it goes beyond that it's e it's fairly easy for us to raise our hands and say thank you to God it's harder to lead lives of thankfulness and God doesn't just want us to raise our hands and say thank you for all that he's done this week. But for it to go with us, for it to mature us individually and as a church, for us to be changed for the better and to go forward with what God has laid on our hearts. And I'll unpack that in a bit. But going to Hezekiah then, so the, 
The account behind me is from Chronicles. Uh, the account that we read in 2 Kings goes into a bit more detail. And we read that uh, Hezekiah became ill and the prophet Isaiah, and this is just, um, I'm going through 2 Kings 20. Uh, the Lord said to Isaiah, uh, a message for Hezekiah, and, Heze- and Isaiah relays this message to Hezekiah the king. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Oh, that's blunt. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, he didn't dress it up. Like, if he got that, he might have, you know, that might have been the message God gave him, but you think he might have, you know, softened the blow. But Hezekiah, so response to this, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. Remember, remember, O Lord. Now, over the years, over centuries, commentators and and scholars, they haven't been kind to Hezekiah um, on that prayer. They have ripped him to shreds in terms of that prayer, of its uh, self-pity and self-centered, self-seeking, self-serving. You know, if you were ranking, you know, Prayers one to ten, you know, that's a solid three. You know, if you're looking across, um, you know, people that, you know, commentators and, and scholars that, that, that look into this and the, uh, the words that we use and how we praise. And it's just a great example because straight away, even before Isaiah can walk a few paces away from Hezekiah, the Lord answers and says that he will heal Hezekiah. And it's just, it's, it's just a, a a strong reminder that, of course, we, as believers and as uh, as a family of uh, a, a, a body and a family, we uh, have a, an active role to play, and we have been asked to participate in interceding and praying faithfully and diligently. And and there's, there's, there's of course, you know, streams of books and material that have really good stuff on. Uh, helping you at that discipline and how to pray and went to all of that sort of stuff, which is all good. But ultimately, if God wants to work, he will work. If God needs to enact his will, he will enact his will. And that, you know, just how Hezekiah prayed, but in spite of that, God still worked magnificently. So God obviously heals Hezekiah and he uses a miraculous sign to, to demonstrate this. And then shortly after, we read that envoys are sent from Babylon. And Hezekiah, and this is verse 13, Hezekiah received the messengers and showed them all that was in his storehouses, the silver, the gold, the spices, the fine oil. There was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. And then Hezekiah, uh, uh, sorry, Isaiah asked Hezekiah, what did those men say and where did they come from? Hezekiah said they came from Babylon. And the prophet asked, what did they see in your palace? And Hezekiah said, they saw everything. There is nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. And then we read of, an, of, of a passage where God is not particularly happy with Hezekiah's response there. Hezekiah declares that he showed all of the treasures in the storehouse, all of the treasures in the palace. But it seems on reading and on God's response, that he failed, critically failed, to signpost where all of that came from. To use that opportunity with those envoys to declare that, as we read in James, that every good and perfect 
gift comes from above. So, he ultimately failed, as I said, to highlight and demonstrate his ultimate and greatest treasure. And really for today, I just wanted to unpack about that response. And there was three main areas of where I I was really led to uh, move beyond us giving thanks and giving praise, which we're going to do, I'm sure, it's going to be a great time in a few moments. But beyond that, we first want to be declaring this should lead us when we've had sort of this expectancy and intimacy with God to lead us as Hezekiah didn't, but as we should, declaring to all we meet and wherever appropriate and relevant, signposting to God and desiring that we are really changed, that we change so much that people actually notice and comment on it. And lastly, that we develop this appetite and persistence for our prayer life. So firstly, looking at declaring where this is coming from. I've already mentioned the first chapter uh, of James, that every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father. And Paul writes in Galatians that we should never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well-known verses, I'm sure, to many of you. But what does that actually mean day to day? What does that mean for us? And I'm really sorry, but all I got when I was preparing for this were questions. Were questions to hopefully provoke you. Um, I'm not going to give any answers or solutions. And I think that's probably the point that, you know, I sent some questions your way. And you pray, we pray into them corporately and individually. And God brings uh, some revelation and some answer. But when we're declaring, okay, signposting to God, how does that practically impact the conversations that you have with people? People that you've known for a month, people that you've known for a decade. How does that actually impact those conversations? Hezekiah showed people around his house, basically. And I got to thinking, how does that, would that impact people coming to my house? Because subconsciously, or, no, or sometimes knowingly, when we have maybe a new visitor, a new guest into our house, we've got round our house, and I'm sure you have, Pictures, photos, certificates, trophies, an antique maybe, that, will, that, you, that is there and it sparks curious questions. And it sparks those curious questions. And you kind of expect it of people, maybe subconsciously. So, in my house, if you walk in, there's, um, there's a framed picture with some writing on it that I wrote for Lisa a few years ago. And it was, you know, if I don't say myself, it's, it's, a, it's a good piece, good strong piece of writing. And if, I, if someone comes in and starts reading it, in my mind I'm like, go on, ask who wrote it. Go on, go on, go on, ask who, ask who wrote it. And if they don't, I'm like, oh, you're never going to find out now, are you? And then also, you come, in, so you come into our front room, and there's three, to be honest, quite big pictures of, my, of our three children, like their faces. And, you know, again, you're like, oh, you're going to say how cute they are, aren't you? You're going to say how, how cute these kids are. And if they don't, you're like, oh, that's a bit rude. Like, come on, they're really cute. You should be saying at least some kind of comment. 
And you might have things like that where, you, you know, you've got someone new in your house and they, they ask those called curious questions. But then I've started to reflect and say, in my house, is there anything that would uh, evoke or provoke a curious question about my faith? Is there something, and, you know, there's, there's, there's a bit, there's a, a poster or a picture that they might ask a question, but it's certainly not a full-blown picture of um, my kid. And I know, what, what am I saying here? Am I saying that we should all have a big crucifix in our house? I, you know, but of course not. But it was, reflect on that. As you have guests in your house and you've got things that generally spark people's attention and questioning, what could that look like? So they ask a curious question about your faith, about your church, about Jesus. And lastly, about declaring where all of these good gifts come from. How does that impact our service within the church? Many of us do a lot, a lot of things, you know, hospitality and kids' work and, and, and in the worship team and set up uh, and stuff throughout the week. You might be in a position of, of responsibility or decision-making. How are we going about signposting where the source of all of our strength and wisdom and persistence comes from. Are we, are we signposting it to make it unambiguous that we can only do this, we can only serve in such a way because our strength and our wisdom and our, our direction and our fortitude come from our living God? How good are we at signposting that? Again, I apologise, it's just questions. It's literally all we're going to be throwing at you for the next sort of five minutes. But okay, moving on. Desiring. Now, this is, this is I'm speaking especially to, to myself here. This is some tough stuff. But desiring, so in terms of, of responding to the kindness, are we desiring to be changed, really changed, so people can notice? Are you desiring for parts of your character and personality to be changed? Now, this can be quite an easy question to answer. Of course, you know, yeah, I'm a bit impatient. I'm impatient, I've got maybe a temper. Yeah, those parts of my character, those parts of my personality, of course, I want God and pray prayer into for God to intervene. But there are other parts of my character and maybe your character, a personality that you quite like, that others quite like as well. But you know, and you may have known for a while, for years, that in your hearts of hearts, it's not entirely God-honouring. It's not entirely the, the very best of what God has to you. And you, 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 it is in some degree... Something that you, it's, 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 uh, it's, it could be seen as a good quality. So as an example, I, um, I quite like the fact that I am one of those people at work that is, you know, if people are going out for drinks or going out um, for a party, they want to know if I'm going. You know, I quite, and I like that, you know, that I'm seen as a bit of the, you know, you know, a key member of the party crew needs to be there. I kind of like that in myself, sociable, and I like others seeing that in me. But that brings, you know, compromising situations where some nights, you know, I probably have one too many. Or I'm out later than I should be when I should be 
doing something on a Saturday morning. Not all not happening all the time, you know, I'm not sort of, sort of, it's not an intervention, but you see what I mean. Those sort of things that I quite like in myself, being sociable and going out and others in me. But is it the best? Is that the best that God has for me? Is that the best that God has for me? Is that completely honouring him? Another question, do we desire to be put in difficult situations? Do we desire to be put in difficult situations? Is a difference between being in a difficult situation and praying out, saying, Lord, I need more patience. Lord, I need more compassion. Lord, I need more kindness. I need more acceptance to help me in this situation that I find myself. All great things, great prayers to be doing. But do we actually desire to be put in a difficult situation so our capacity for love and for kindness and for tolerance and acceptance and compassion can grow? Do we, do we actually desire to be put in difficult situations? That's a tough one. I don't know if I've ever prayed, Lord, put me in a difficult situation so my capacity to love can grow. That's a tough one. And are we, are we desiring that, 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 that strengthening and, and, and stretching to happen? And willing to sacrifice and, and, and live with the consequences of what that might happen. If your capacity to love and capacity for compassion, your capacity to show kindness and acceptance to people, if that does grow, are we prepared for the consequences that that might bring? Because we read that it is a journey. And this is something that happens overnight. You know, when we're talking about growing in Christ-likeness, and you may, you've probably been reading behind me, that it's about being transformed into his image of ever-increasing glory, that we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him. This is a journey. This is a, this is a process. But it's one where God eagerly desires his children to be on. And it would look different to, for, for, for everyone involved. And for each of us here. But it is a journey and it is one that God desires for us to, to be continuing with and to be diligently praying into. Praying in those situations for your patience and gentleness and all of those good stuff to be growing and to be strengthening. So lastly, de um, developing and we, again, Paul, Paul writes um, in a number of uh, books about this, and again, some very well-known from Philippians about, uh, in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And uh, he ends uh, 1 Thessalonians by saying, rejoice always and pray continually. Now, are we, uh, are we, are we ready to... Give that persistence and to, to, to give that discipline to our prayer life. The way we come and pray and we see an answer to prayer and we give thanks. And then does that put in us a greater belief to pray maybe for a bolder or bigger prayer? 
We pray for uh, a word of knowledge. We're given it and it's affirmed by somebody else. Does that give us belief and boldness to go back for an even maybe more specific word of knowledge? Are we ready to take that next step in our prayer life, corporately and, and individually? I think that's when we're thinking about responding to the kindness of, of God. He's eagerly desiring our children, us as children to mature and grow in these things. Maturing and growing in signposting as naturally as possible, but ever more we're increasing circles, signposting back to him. Maturing in Christ-likeness, actually desiring to be changed and to be changed so others can actually see the difference and to be put in difficult situations. And to develop a persistent prayer life and a desire and a, and a sort of an increasing capacity and belief to pray that one step further. Take your prayer life that one gear further.